Chapters nineteen and twenty of the Turnpike House by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter nineteen. Job becomes civilized. Again and again did Miss Cass wish that she could tell Jenny Brawn the story of the broken link and her position with regard to her father. But she had given her promise and was forced to hold her tongue. On her part, Jenny, always open and honest, felt a trifle embarrassed at the secret understanding with Geoffrey Heron regarding the bill of exchange. It seemed to her too delicate perception to be wrong, for was not the young man her friend's lover? But, like Ruth herself, Jenny had given a promise which could not be broken, and she too had to hold her peace. Under these circumstances, both girls were less open with each other than usual, and on this account did not seek one another, as was formerly the case jenny made her teaching serve as an excuse and ruth took to wandering about the country in the society of her own sad thoughts she had promised her father to refrain from further meddling with the jenner case but she did not think that this bound her to abstain from visiting the turnpike house and she was always finding herself in the neighbourhood of that ill-omened building it held the secret of a crime several times ruth had noticed smoke rising from its chimney she began to think from the recurrence of this phenomenon that some tramp had taken up his abode in the deserted building full of nervous apprehension lest the said tramp should find something in the house likely to connect her father with the crime ruth had more than once made up her mind to see who it was that occupied the hovel but on each occasion her courage failed her at the last moment but one day she screwed up her courage and set out to visit the turnpike house she would asterisks if any other piece of evidence connected with the crime had been discovered, and if so, ascertain who was the finder. As she approached, she could see that although the house still looked dilapidated and disreputable in its green jungle, some attempt had been made to render it fit for human habitation. The windows had been mended, the door repaired, and the roof patched in various places. Ruth walked boldly up the path, now trodden down by the footsteps of the new owner, and after a glance at the closed door looked in at the window this was guiltless of blinds or curtain and she could see quite plainly what was going on inside to her surprise the first person she saw was her aunt inez seated by the fire and talking eagerly to job who was astride a chair beside her the gypsy turned his head rapidly as the shadow of the girl lengthened by the sun fell across the floor and he uttered an exclamation of mingled surprise and vexation mrs marshall looking up at that moment beheld her niece the very last person she expected or indeed desired to see in that place her dark face grew a trifle pale her black eyes flashed and she looked downright savage at the intrusion however there was nothing left for it now but to make the best of the situation so before ruth had time to recover from her astonishment aunt inez had passed quickly to the window and had thrown it wide open goodness ruth why do you come in that silent way to frighten people come in come in and don't stand staring there like a fool ruth struggled to recover from her surprise i am astonished to see you here aunt inez she said when she had found her tongue i did not know you were acquainted with job he is a pensioner of mine mrs marshall said composedly preparing to shut the window are you coming in ruth we can walk back together you know i do not approve of your roaming the country in this uncivilized fashion it seems i am only following your example ruth said pertly i am a married woman 
and job's patroness remarked ruth who was too much annoyed by her aunt's manner to be careful mrs marshall flashed at her a look which boded ill for the harmony of their future relations yes i am looking after the poor man there is nothing wrong in that i hope on the contrary said her niece and went towards the door it was opened by job who during this interview had been most discreetly silent he winked at the girl not rudely but to intimate that he still looked upon her as a romany sister and ushered her into the room mrs marshall had resumed her seat by the fire and pointed out the other chair to her niece job leant up against the table and regarded the two with a twinkle in his dark eyes evidently he anticipated some amusement have you been here before ruth asked the elder lady sharply once i was curious to see the place on account of the murder i suppose replied mrs marshall with contempt really ruth i do wonder that you should care to concern yourself with such horrors and why do you come here again to see job was the quiet answer me and the lady are pals put in job oh yes she can patter the black tongue and she is a real romany sister perhaps ruth you will explain said mrs marshall both puzzled and annoyed i think job has already done so ruth said coolly i met him here by accident when last i came and i talked romany to him he has taken me as a sister of the gypsy folk i am a female borrow ruth aunt inez threw up her hands in horror how dare you speak like this a low gypsy a tramp and you a young lady and pray where did you learn the gypsy language at school and out of it i got a gypsy woman to teach me but i do not see why you should forbid me to associate with job aunt you are doing so yourself i exclaimed that lady with something of defiance in her manner but i have taken this poor man under my protection and i intend to make him comfortable ruth did not reply immediately then she looked up last time i was here you watched me aunt inez she said slowly perhaps i did perhaps i did not replied that lady coldly she scorned to tell a lie and refused to own the truth then you know what i found here under the window job looked up eagerly and exchanged a glance with mrs marshall but that clever lady preserved an imperturbable countenance what you found my dear is of no consequence to me she said impatiently and rose to her feet it is more to the purpose that we should be going i will arrange about your weekly money she said turning to job thank you lady said the gypsy gratefully you are a real good sort i won't trouble you long though i'm booked before the year is out ruth lingered for she wanted to speak to the man alone but her aunt hurried her away and the last glimpse she had of him was standing in the doorway laughing in anything but a respectful manner one would have thought that miss cass had burnt her fingers quite severely enough to avoid playing with fire but such was not the case her curiosity was stronger than her prudence besides after the smile she had seen on job's face she began to doubt her aunt's plausible explanation unfortunately mrs marshall escorted her niece right up to the gates of hollyoaks park but she refused to go in i have left my carriage at the inn she said and as your uncle is not very well i must go home at once i hope you will come and see us ruth you are neglecting me very much i will come with pleasure aunt 
will next week do any week will do i am always at home except on an occasion like this when i am employed in charitable works i shall expect you next week when her aunt had gone ruth waited until she was out of sight then took a short cut across the meadows to the turnpike house within the hour she again presented herself at the door it was opened so suddenly that she felt sure that job had been watching her and his greeting proved that such was the case i expected you sister he said come into my tent duvel that a romany should dwell under a roof-tree like a gorgio it is better for your health than wandering about the roads said the girl sitting down i am dying interrupted job quietly and i am not the man to decay like a tree if i find that i can never recover i will die after my own fashion i am not afraid ruth did not know what reply to make to this she glanced round hoping to find a fresh topic of conversation you are comfortable here quite civilized i am sure that you will get better now that you are so well housed i do not think so lady but i yielded to mrs marshall's request to take shelter here one place is as good as another to die in she is good to me i have this house and a little money to buy food why is she so kind asked ruth sharply such kindness is not in her nature have you done her a good turn perhaps i have maybe i have not job said coolly see here sister i knew you would come back to ask questions i saw it in your eye but i know when to keep my mouth shut you do when it pays you well i have no wish to pry into your secrets job keep your own counsel i intend to replied the man and it is a good thing for your family that i do what do you mean nothing that i can tell you job ruth looked at him sharply are you hinting at any disgrace no what disgrace could befall so noble a family i hold my tongue because you are paid for it retorted ruth already her wits were at work trying to search out the reason for all this she scented a mystery and began vaguely to connect it with the jenner case half in jest half in earnest she asked a leading question do you know anything of this murder no do well i should think not it was before my time yet i wonder you are not afraid to sleep in this room it was here that the body was found job laughed and stared at the stains on the floor near the window yes it was here he said but i know nothing you know what i found last time i came to this place she said recalling the glance exchanged between her aunt and the gypsy perhaps replied job then he began to laugh <laughs> oh you are a rare one lady you are he said you would rob me of my new tent by asking me to speak about what does not concern you ah then you have something to conceal perhaps said job again but you may as well stop sister i hold my peace until i die ruth looked at him fixedly by this time she felt quite sure that the secret which procured for job food and fire and roof-tree was connected with the murder what you know has nothing to do with mr cass with my father she asked in a low voice 
no no on my soul it has not he said earnestly why do you think so sister has it anything to do with the murder i cannot tell you you need not for i can see the truth in your face tell me this do you know what i found under that window he looked at her yes i know he said softly and refused to speak another word chapter twenty what mr cass had to say mr cass arrived home in a more cheerful frame of mind his business whatever it was had evidently prospered and the look of anxiety which his face had worn had given place to his usual imperturbable smile he was relieved too to hear that amy had gone altogether when the dinner hour arrived ruth found that he was pleased as ever to be alone with her by the way my dear he said after the dessert was placed on the table and they had had some desultory chat we are about to have a visitor Geoffrey asked ruth eagerly she was longing to see her lover again no neil webster i have been to bognor to see him he is much better poor fellow though still far from well however he is coming down here where he will be surrounded with more comfort than mrs gent can provide before long i hope he will be quite restored to health i am glad he is coming papa she hesitated and then continued in a low voice are you going to assist him i thought we had agreed to close that discussion ruth said her father with some coldness assist him what can i do i have told him that i will endeavour to prove his mother's innocence but i have not much hope of success whatever you may say ruth i believe the woman is guilty i think she is innocent cried the girl throwing back her head with a look of defiance i know you do well if her innocence can be proved so much the better at present neil has promised not to worry more than he can help i want to see him on his feet again therefore he must have cheerful company to distract his mind is that why you asked him down here asked ruth ironically i am afraid his spirits will not rise in this house amy left it because she found the dullness intolerable amy is a frivolous butterfly my dear i hope you have more sense you must do your best to amuse neil and above all you must say nothing to him about this case it is becoming a sort of monomania with him and his thoughts must be kept off it in that case i shall get jenny to amuse him replied ruth for i find it difficult not to become a monomaniac on the subject myself besides i want her to marry him mr cass stroked his chin and did not appear to look unfavourably on this proposal neil might do worse he said after a pause jenny is a good little creature and will make him a very adaptable wife you would never have suited yourself to the boy geoffrey heron is more in your way ruth he will be at once your husband and your master so long as he is not a domestic tyrant i do not care i am very very fond of geoffrey now that i have got over my foolish feeling for neil i do wish geoffrey would come to see me oftener at that moment as if in answer to her words a servant appeared with a card which he presented to his master queer exclaimed mr cass glancing at it through his eyeglass here is the very man you want geoffrey she cried joyfully yes i wonder why he did not send me notice of his coming he wants to see me on business business he repeated with a frown humph i hope he has found no new mare's nest with your assistance 
i have meddled no more with the case papa if that is what you mean said miss cass but where is he in the library i will see him first you can talk to him afterwards ask him to stay papa said ruth following her father to the door of the dining-room of course he can stay if he likes mr cass said looking at his daughter as if he were about to make some remark however he thought better of it and hurried out ruth guessed that it had been on his mind to say something about the unhappy affair in which they were all interested she was irritated at not being admitted into his confidence for her nerves were worn thin with the constant strain however he had been quite determined to see geoffrey alone and all she could do was to possess herself in patience until such time as the conversation should have ended meanwhile the two men were sitting opposite one another in mr cass's room geoffrey refused to have any dinner he had dined before leaving home he said but he did not decline a cigar and a glass of good port mr cass was at once convinced from the expression of tragic gravity on the young man's face that he had something serious to say and he concluded that it had to do with the jenner case but he was not going to commit himself by introducing the subject lest he might appear too eager he talked lightly on desultory matters and waited for heron to begin mr cass he said at last i have come to renew our former conversation oh the jenner murder i suppose mr cass said lightly i thought as much but i did not know that you intended to pursue the matter nor did i of my own free will replied geoffrey coolly but circumstances have thrust upon me fresh discoveries and i want your assistance mr cass looked up sharply and replied with studied carelessness of course i will do my best to help you my dear fellow but really i do not see how i can you will soon see when i have told you of my discovery was the grim answer about those links you know the merchant started and changed colour ah he said ruth told you some time ago but what she did not tell me and what you did not reveal mr cass was that you were the owner of those links how can you be certain on that point asked mr cass calmly what have you found out to make you think that they at any rate the broken one ruth got under the window of the turnpike house have anything to do with me i will tell you he said leaning forward and looking very directly at his host you gave a portion of one of those links to your granddaughter mildred for her doll i found the child crying because ruth had taken what she called a brooch from her at first i did not connect it with the one ruth had found but when she described it i guessed that it was part of the set to make certain i showed her the one her aunt had picked up and she recognized it at once as the double of her brooch with the difference in the design of course you did not tell me of this mr cass why should i have told you mr cass's tone was slightly defiant i did give such a link to mildred and it was one of a set have you the set asked heron forgive my asking you but i have a good reason for doing so i know what your reason is replied the merchant raising his voice but you are wrong i did not drop that link at the turnpike house i did not murder jenner nothing was further from my mind protested the young man you jumped to conclusions my meaning was quite different the expression on mr cass's face was one of half relief half of uneasiness what do you mean then he demanded i have a right to know you shall know it was in order to tell you that i came over this evening but first have you the remaining links 
mr cass crossed the room to an old-fashioned desk which stood in a corner and began to search in five minutes he returned to his seat by the fire bringing with him an oval enamelled with a pack of cards that is all i have he said mildred has the one with the horse on it you have the other with the champagne bottle and the ballet girl where is that one mr cass was silent and shifted uneasily in his chair that i cannot tell you until i know more clearly what you have discovered you shall know all it may save a certain person from a relentless enemy yes you may look mr cass i tell you there is one man who hates another with all the intensity of his soul and will only too willingly do him an injury mr cass began to grow angry at this mysterious description one man another man he repeated what do you mean who is the enemy julian roper and who is he heron looked at him in astonishment if faces were to be read his host knew nothing of this man i am surprised that you do not know who roper is he said slowly why should i i never even heard his name that i can recollect if he has any grudge against me i cannot understand the reason seeing as i have said that he is unknown to me i did not say that he had a grudge against you no but you hinted as much after all i suppose i am the man who is so well hated at least i can take your speech in no other way i don't mean you at all i allude to marshall your brother-in-law marshall mr cass sprang to his feet and his face turned positively grey this time geoffrey had no reason to complain of indifference it was plain that his host feared the revelation about to be made against his sister's husband i don't quite understand he said what has marshall i think you understand very well mr cass and i can only wish that during our last conversation you had spoken out if you want the truth in plain words i say that frank marshall murdered jenner at the turnpike house to recover a bill of exchange on which he had forged my father's name stop stop cried mr cass dropping back to his seat what what grounds have you such an accusation is it not true upon my word of honour i cannot say i think you can mr cass you know that mrs jenner is innocent and that marshall is guilty the merchant became vehement i cannot say that he cried dashing his fist on the table because i don't know i did suspect marshall myself on certain grounds but i knew nothing of this bill i could not fathom his motive i was doubtful and so i came to the conclusion that mrs jenner was the guilty person i would have told you all this before heron but the honour of my family i hope to be one of the family myself soon geoffrey said quietly and you cannot suppose that i am less anxious than you are to avoid a scandal i must know the truth now at all costs you shall know everything i can tell you oh heavens if it should be so if he should be guilty i could never be sure never or i would have taken steps to get that unfortunate woman released i did not want her to suffer in some way without incriminating marshall i would have managed it if only i had been sure but this bill ah that was his motive and i never knew he did not tell me that as to roper i can assure you that this is the first time to my knowledge that i have heard his name yet he discounted the bill it was in his office that jenner was employed after he had failed on the stage 
i took no interest in the man after i had dismissed him i never even heard his employer's name he stole the bill i suppose ah yes i begin to understand and he came down here to blackmail marshall quite so great heavens can he be guilty after all i'll have the truth out of him at all costs that is the difficult part of it geoffrey said with a flush i can make marshall speak out but i dread his confession by rights we should give him up to the law and yet the disgrace the we must get at the truth first afterwards we can decide how to get the woman released and how to punish my wretched brother-in-law tell me what proof you have against him heron produced his pocket-book and took therefrom the bill of exchange which he gave to mr cass he started as though a snake had stung him forged he asked placing his finger on the signature of geoffrey heron then on a nod from that young man he added did you find this among your father's papers no that is impossible jenner must have had it on the night he was murdered yet if marshall killed him to get possession of it how came it into your hands because marshall lost the fruits of his wickedness he never gained possession of this bill jenner was too clever for him it seems as i learned from mrs jenner that she left him alone while she put her child to bed during that time he fearing no doubt lest marshall should try and recover it sewed it up in the body of a toy horse with which his boy had been playing neil sent the horse to george chisel your grandson and he as children will cut up the animal miss brawn saw this paper among the stuffing and gave it to me does she know as she said she knows nothing of the connection of this with the murder and she has said nothing for i made her give me her word that she would not no one but you and i and she are aware of its existence roper what of roper he knows nothing about it if you knew how he hated marshall you would be glad that he is ignorant for he would certainly prosecute if he got hold of this paper i doubt if he could now seeing that your father who alone could give evidence as to the falsity of the signature is dead but why does he hate marshall so bitterly well it appears that roper had a daughter who fell in love with him she would have married him and he had given her every reason to believe that he would but of course he stopped at that and she died of a broken heart i don't think there was anything scandalous about the affair nothing worse than the playing fast and loose with the affections of the unhappy girl he always was a scoundrel i paid him a large sum to leave my firm as i feared he would do something criminal some day then he married my sister i begged her to give him up but she was headstrong and insisted great heavens he cried and he married her very shortly after he had committed this crime yet i doubt very much if he would have had the courage to kill jenner will you tell me what led you to suspect him in the first place from the circumstances of his return on that night in the second these links how is that i should like to know all from the beginning well marshall was staying here on the night of the crime he looked out of sorts but he made some excuse i forget what after dinner he said he was going out for a walk it was wet and misty and i tried to dissuade him my sister had gone to bed with a headache i was alone and although i never liked him i wanted to talk to him but he insisted upon going about nine he returned knocked at the library window that french window over there and i let him in torn and muddy and wild with fear 
he said that he had been set upon by robbers footpads the next morning i heard of the murder and i spoke to him about it but he swore that he had not seen jenner tell me about the links are they yours yes i bought them many years ago when i was young and vain marshall saw them and took a great fancy to them so i gave him the set and now mr cass clenched his hands i fear if he got his deserts that they would hang him and quite overcome he bowed his head on the table end of chapters nineteen and twenty